Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Washington Football Team Nation, what is going on? We are in the offseason. Chiefs are no longer your champs. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team we lost to. Um, Todd, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. And I was kind of thinking the other day, actually, I think it was today. What do teams who do have a quarterback do during this time? Like, what do the fans do? What do they talk about if they don't, you know, need to look at every possible potential option that ever pops up at quarterback? Like, how how much less exciting is their offseason because they have a franchise quarterback? All right, I guess they look for offensive linemen and stuff. <laughs> and wide receivers. And that's boring. You know what? You know, as much as I want a quarterback, it's fun to just talk about it. So let's yeah. just never find one. <laughs> and let's just keep talking about it forever. But no, I'm good. Um, the Super Bowl was obviously a letdown. Uh, I was not expecting that sort of lopsided game. I thought those teams were pretty evenly matched, but I think that uh I think that the Chiefs missing two starting offensive tackles just too much of an issue but i feel like the bucks show you how a defensive line can can carry you through the playoffs Mm -hmm. and that's what this washington team has and so now what they don't have is a tom brady on the other side and you know ultimately that's what makes the the big difference so speaking of well how are you doing i'm doing well man I'm, i'm ready to uh I'm ready to get this show on the road. I'm ready for this off season to, to start going. And uh, I'm just excited of the prospect of, of I'm, I, was, I was thinking today, just the prospects of finding a franchise quarterback or a quarterback yeah. for your favorite sports team, a national football team. What is it equivalent to, you know, and I couldn't find, I couldn't, I feel like it's pretty high up in mm. rankings, like a birthday maybe, or, that's a good question it's, it's like up there like. it is up there it is really because i mean birthday like christmas present yeah. like job you really want or you know it's it is up there that's a really good point man and it's one of those things that like is it's like it's like you're chasing uh, a bone that's attached to your head, you know, like, <laughs> you know, on a, on a, um, on a, like a fishing hook or something right, right. where you, the, the closer you get, the further it gets. Yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Teams that have franchise quarterbacks, I mean, that sounds boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's the search that makes it fun. <laughs> I feel, I feel uh, like once you attain it, it's like lifelong happiness. Like, yeah. At least for 15 years, you know, I, 10, I, 15 years. <laughs> could you imagine? I would, I would take that boring off season. 10 times out of 10 to just know who your quarterback is 
going throughout the whole process. And I mean, look, we've we we experienced that. We kind of experienced something close to that for three years with Kirk Cousins, but there were still yeah. questions. You know, it right. was like we know, but now it's no coincidence that those three years was some of the most consistent, albeit average, but consistently yeah. average years we've seen. Um, so he's seen what? Yeah, like that he's seen too. That he's seen too. Much. Yeah, you're right about that. Seems like it. Maybe a good defensive coordinator would have made the difference. The other thing, Tay, is that, you know, we honestly haven't been in this exact spot we're in in a little while. Uh, like, okay, so 2018, I'm trying to remember exactly how I felt going to that offseason. Well, no, no, we have not felt like this, truthfully, in a while. Uh, so let's go back to when Jason Campbell was officially not the guy. So then 2010, 11. So when you got RG3, you thought you had your guy. For 12, for 13, for 14, you were still trying to you, – you thought you had a guy, just figure it out. And then you went straight to Kirk Cousins. And for 15 and 16 and 17, you thought we might have a guy, right? right. And then 18, you still didn't know what you were going to do with Kirk, and then you traded for Alex. And so you knew you weren't keeping Kirk, but then you had Alex for 18 – and then 19, you drafted Dwayne Haskins, so you thought, okay, well, this could be the guy. This is the first time really since, what, 2011 that we've been sitting here having no idea and really no potential answer at quarterback. Yeah, that's true. So, it, you know, it's not an every year thing. It's It's been a while. Now, we haven't had an answer all for these last, you know, 10 years, but we've thought we might or had some sort of something. So, uh. You know, and and that's and that's the best part about it. I think we're. I feel like we 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 did it right. I know you always mention that that the GM or the coach gets to pick their guy. Yeah. And you know, we're finally in a position where the GM and the head coach gets to pick their guy. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And you know, the usual order of service, you know, typically would be owner hires GM, GM hires coach. Coach, you know, and coach and GM find quarterback. And in this case, it was owner finds coach, coach finds GM. But either way, it's the people in power bringing in the people that they want to work with. So now, like you said, is the time for them to together find that guy. And if Ron and Mayhew and, and Marty uh, pick their quarterback, then, you know, that's that's the perfect, perfect. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. That's how it's supposed to happen. Right, and if it's the right guy, that's even better. Right. So, because I was G- thinking, I was thinking today too. Uh, I was just some. I was like, uh, you know, Snyder. Just thinking about Snyder, and I'm like, man, if Snyder messes this up, you know, who is he, like? It's going to be hard for him to mess this up. It because will be hard. He doesn't have a Bruce out. What if if he doesn't listen to Ron? Who's going to listen to Mayhew? You know, like right. Who's going right. to um you know, Jason, you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah, you have to fire like, those everybody. Are all good guys, you know, they're, right. they're good guys. So yeah, we, I think, I think the, 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 the supporting cast that he has is very beneficial. And it I is. think, I think we're going to come out of this with, I think we're going to be excited. I think I definitely I kind of so. feel like Ron Rivera is a good luck charm and I don't know. Yeah, me too. Me, but I kind of, I kind of just feel like something's going to work out. Even yeah. if they like don't get the guy we're all clamoring for, but like they'll go into the season and like you get a, and like I don't I don't necessarily want Marcus Mariota, but you trade for Mariota and he has a career year, you know, yeah. and, you know, just I feel like he's a good luck charm somehow. I don't know, 
I guess we'll find out though. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We will find out here soon, March fifteenth, uh, which is the beginning of the legal tampering period. Which doesn't make mm. sense if it's legal; it's not tampering. But right. the legal okay. tampering period. I kind of I liked it better when it was just uh, free agency starts at four. Kind of midnight Same. was fun, but I liked when it was it started at four, and that's when things were happening. Now the the tampering period kind of. It doesn't take away from the excitement, but it's it's kind of weird. It kind of throws it off a bit. Right. I remember when we signed Pierre Garçon in 2012, like right at four o'clock. It's like one of the first ones. Um, but so March 15th cannot come fast enough. And then April 29th after that. So speaking of, well, this episode is brought to you by Hot Chicken Kitchen in Woodbridge, Virginia. Check them out. Try them out. Support them. Small. Minority-owned, veteran-owned business that is going to give you some of the best chicken you've ever had. So go try them out. Hot Chicken Kitchen. Uh, speaking of that, you know, quarterback and draft, we're going to go into, unless do you have anything else to to add to what we were talking about? No. Uh, I'm just going to say this, this was by far maybe my favorite pod. Yeah, in, interview up. with uh, interview. Stephanie? Yeah. Um, I think this was, this was, she, she sold me. Um, <laughs> yeah. she, 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 Justin Fields is the guy that I want. And, um, I just, I, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm excited of the opportunity to be possibly getting him at some point. Hopefully, man, I, I just, I, <laughs> I wish, like I said, during the, I'll, I'll just leave it up to you. I'll, I'll let y'all hear it. I'll let y'all hear it. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it, but it's a good one. It's a good one. It is a good one. She she definitely. So we so for those who don't know, Stephanie Odie, Odie I believe is the correct. I think it's a soft T, uh, Odie or OT, but Odie I believe. Um, she she covers Ohio State for for just everybody. Uh, she's been on ESPN talking about Ohio State, Fox Sports. Um, she's, and she's, she's done some work for some other stuff for ESPN. She's, she's a free agent now kind of freelancing, but, you know, dipping her hand in a bunch of different, uh, 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 publications, but she covers Ohio state, but on the ground in the locker room in the past, you know, talking to guys, really connecting with guys and having an inside track on lots of Ohio state players and whatnot. And so we asked her about, you know, some guys coming out this year, but mainly Justin Fields. And she really did give some really solid, nuggets talking about his leadership talking about what he's like outside of football which is I think my favorite question that she answered and um and just kind of just really yeah selling you on Justin Fields and like no one should be talking about Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins in the same breath but Mm -hmm. you know she acknowledged that the concerns that Dwayne Haskins had coming out and that Justin Fields doesn't have those so uh we also talked about a couple other guys um from Ohio State that you know are coming out this year maybe that'll be interested or washington will be interested in so i think you'll enjoy this interview with stephanie odie who if you haven't seen her now you will see her in some someplace somewhere whether it's you know whether it's i don't know espn or, or the athletic or nfl network or or just you're gonna see her face and you'll be hearing her she was very very good one of my favorite interviews so we're gonna go right into that now and on our next episode we're going to talk about, as we discuss all the quarterback possibilities, we're going to talk about uh, or take a look at past trades in the draft and, and try to get an idea of what it would cost if Washington actually did try to trade up. So we're going to go into our interview with Stephanie Odie right now. We are delighted to be joined by Stephanie Ot. 
and I want to make sure I pronounced that correctly. You did. I was impressed. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm sure you've heard some crazy things like Ote and, and Otai. Yeah. <laughs> you did your research. Absolutely. I've got to be prepared. We are delighted to be joined. Uh, you cover Ohio State for everybody pretty much, but ultimately what you do is you cover Ohio State and, and you're around them all the time. So we have some questions for you and we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been loving following Washington this year. It was pretty exciting to see them make a push for the playoff. Hopefully they're able to do it next year, but I really did enjoy watching their team this year. Yeah, and we've got plenty of Ohio State players for you to, you know, kind of keep track of as well <laughs> while you follow along. So first question I want to have for you, um, and we'll just kind of go back and forth myself, Todd and Tay, is just how you got your start covering the team for all these different uh, news outlets. Yeah, so I grew up in Columbus. I didn't go to Ohio State. I went to Miami and Oxford, Ohio. Gotcha. But I had a lot of friends who played on the team that made it to the national championship and won it that year. And at that point, I was a double major, didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I started to really fall in love with sports and wanted to look into a career in it. And I moved to Dallas, got some broadcasting roles there, and I got the, the role to be the sideline reporter for the Dallas Mavericks affiliate team on Fox sports Southwest. And yeah, that's not a typical <laughs> first TV job. I kind of got thrust into it. So then I got a job and that was not a paid job. I wasn't in contract. I was working a full-time sales job and then I'd go and broadcast for free. Wow. So then I wanted to start getting paid for it. And that's when I moved to Chicago, started to become an MMJ cover sports throughout that area. And then I moved home in and got a role year where I grew up with some, uh, with the outlets that I was familiar with. And I was able to jump on a show. And then this past year I became a free agent so I could move around and work with multiple networks. So it's been, it's been great getting to dip my feet into a bunch of different spaces for it, but yeah, covering it on a multitude of outlets has been a lot. It's been fun. That's pretty cool. And it, it seems like you've got to kind of get your start any way you can and then just build from there. Yeah, it's definitely a hustle. Most of the roles I got started out much smaller and then you just keep showing up, putting mm-hmm. in extra work and it leads to something more. That's definitely what I can say about any role I got. The Ohio State job did not start out as a sideline job. It was basically a digital space. And then I just kind of worked my way up, started getting more interviews and they wanted to use them. So definitely I would say for anyone wanting to get into it is hustle and don't be afraid to ask for the opportunity. Just let your work speak for itself. Gotcha. Awesome. Appreciate that. Go ahead, Tate. Yeah. So I, I see, I've, I've seen that you do that, that you did Dallas Mavericks and I'm a big basketball guy. So I love, um, I played basketball in high school, but and, and into college as well. But I was wondering, you know, what was one of your favorite, I guess, memories or uh, games you covered with Dallas when you were when you were with them or favorite players? Yeah, uh, I have two memories, one of them specific to basketball. And it was when Donald Sloan, it was I was working with the G League affiliate team at the time. And many of his uh, teammates were getting call ups and, and things like that. And he got an opportunity. He got you know, he had a record record breaking game and then uh, he saw his buddy, Jamil Warney, finally get his call up. And I remember coach saying that was, you know, the bit, the best thing that could happen, you know, he was losing a player that he became very fond of, but he was so happy for him. So I thought that was special to, to see him finally get his moment. And then the other one in Dallas would be, it was Dirk celebrity baseball game. So it was a baseball game, but it had a lot of Mavericks there, but also we got to see the Cowboys. And so it was really cool to see a bunch of 
Dallas sports and different figures come together on one common field for a charity event. And that was really cool because it was, it was rare that you get to see all these different sports come and they were, you know, big names, but they were doing it on a, on a one similar field. And that's something that he does every year. So that was a really fun event for me to cover during my time in Dallas. Okay. Transitioning to what you're doing now, which is, you know, Ohio state. I want to ask you, after the loss to Alabama, the championship game, which obviously was a tough loss. Also, you know, your factor, you're playing Alabama, which is just sometimes unstoppable. What was, I can imagine it was very, you know, disappointed and frustrated, but what was the energy in the locker room? And specifically, you know, players like Justin Fields, who are leaders on that team. What was the, what was the energy and the feeling after that loss? Well, we weren't able to go into the locker room that game. That's that right. Was, that's right. Yeah. That was, but I can speak on the hardest game for me ever to cover in my career was the Fiesta Bowl and the way their season ended the previous year, where right. they lost before the national championship to Clemson, and that was a locker room that really stood out to me. But it it correlates into what the the postseason uh, interviews looked like with the players, and so we talked to them virtually. But I think that this year it was. It wasn't just that game. I think it was the whole season because Ohio State season, yes, everyone was dealing with the pandemic and cancellations, but in particular for this conference, the Big Ten and Ohio State, it was a lot more difficult with the protocols they put in place. They had, you know, a a 21 day out if you tested positive and contact tracing, whereas other conferences didn't and they only had an eight game schedule. They only played five games going into the Big Ten championship. There was a lot of doubts around them because of that. When players were out, they would have to move positions around. So there was just so much. It was very taxing. And they went over four months without seeing any family members. And I think it was just, it got to a point where it was just, it was just a lot. But after the Sugar Bowl and they beat Clemson, it was, it was what they worked for. So I had these doubts about whether or not they could replicate all the buildup that went into beating Clemson to get to the national championship. And, and Alabama had been so consistent the entire year. And, you know, they had three top players in the Heisman rankings, which we had (laughs) last year, of course, with Chase Young, JK Dobbins and Justin Fields. Well, we know what it was like to have that. And so it was definitely a difficult team to go up against, especially with the consistency that they had. And then, you know, Trey Sermon goes out on the first play and, you know, there was just a lot going against them. Justin Fields was, you know, he was hurting that whole time. So it was physically and emotionally draining on them. And I think as much as it's hard to say that game ending may have even been a relief, you know, getting through that season was just very, very taxing on them. That makes sense. And and that makes sense. Honestly, I'll go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to put you in a situation here. Oh, we are Washington football team fans. That sounds weird, but um, <laughs> knowing the stick, knowing the stigma that comes out with Ohio State quarterbacks. I knew you guys were going to ask me this. I knew it. You know it's coming. It. You know it's coming. Um, we have we have some know, recent have experience with them. I'm very. <laughs> I understand. I understand. And you know they they get a bad rap coming out of college and as being very productive in college but when they make it to the NFL they seem to kind of slack off or or not be as productive I'm the GM of the Washington football team and we are sitting at 19 and we're thinking about moving up for Justin Fields sell me Justin Fields tell me why we should take him they need they need to because well first off Urban Meyer coached two quarterbacks that played at Washington this year and Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins and You know, Alex Smith is such a a leader. And I think that, you know, Dwayne really could have 
optimized on, you know, following his example. But yeah. I think the doubts that circulate around Dwayne were there going into the draft, you know, his maturity, he only played one season in college. And that's very significant because it's such a big jump to go into the NFL. And especially with the situation that Washington was in at the time, you know, there was just a lot of questions around it and, and would it be a fit? And, and Urban Meyer has often said, especially now that he's going to be an NFL coach and is one now, there's not a bad player in the NFL. It's a, it's the system and there's usually external factors. So I think with Dwayne, it was definitely an external factor that contributed to how he was playing on the field. But with Justin Fields, I, I definitely don't think they will ever have any of those doubts. I mean, we were playing in the pandemic and he was just sitting in his room with his dog, Uno, and he never ever made his team ever have to question whether or not he was not going to be able to play. I mean, we saw him go and get the rib injury and he battled through that. So, I mean, he was not going to put his team at risk with getting a, a positive test to COVID and not being mm. able to play. He knew how important that was and he knew how much his play mattered to the team. And I think one of the coolest things I've heard coach Ryan Day say is he was asked after the sugar bowl, after Justin Fields had that hit and, you know, he had to go and play through it at halftime. He asked Justin, he said, Hey, could, can you play this? And Justin said there's no way we're losing this game I mean they were on fire and his ribs could be broken and he told his coach he goes I'm not we're not gonna lose this game I'm not gonna play and and Ryan they laughed I mean he's um, it's humorous how amazed he is by Justin Fields even after all this time and seeing all of the plays he's made and how how great he's been so I think that even if there's the last year he had one interception in the regular season and so after that game with Michigan State, I asked him, I said, was it almost a relief that you got picked off? And he said, you know, it's football, it's going to happen. But I think that the way Ohio State fans put him on this pedestal and say, you're the quarterback Ohio, at Ohio State, you have to perform this way. To think like an interception, one interception is such a huge deal to fans. It just shows the caliber he's playing at. And, right. you know, this the inconsistency of this year, I wouldn't put too much on that for his draft stock. And I almost think it's a benefit that his draft stock has fallen so that he can get to a better system. So I think that yeah, I point. definitely say, I definitely say move up. And especially with the way coach Rivera says he wants a mobile quarterback. You can see <laughs> Justin Fields has the arm. He can certainly run. I mean, he can make anything happen. And I think he's someone that can get thrown into it, but you see his leadership. He wasn't a starter at Georgia. And so he went and he let his play speak for itself. He never, you know, had the attitude or anything like that. He was definitely a leader and it replicates onto the field. So I definitely think you got a quality guy on and off the field in Justin Fields and you guys definitely need to trade up to get him. I <laughs> definitely think so. You see, I was afraid of asking that question because now I really want us to get him. You have to have but... <laughs> him. You have to have him. Yeah. and I go ahead, Todd. We're not in the the we are not of the group that says no Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. Justin Fields is different from all the rest of them, including. Hey, I think Jeff you guys Young. like Chase Young. Yeah, right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Terry McLaurin, too. <laughs> well, I would. That's what I think Ohio State fans would love to see is Justin Fields make a throw to Terry McLaurin. Right. That right, would be. Right. That'd be pretty cool. That would be. Um, so, talking about Justin Fields, which you know, on the field he is clearly very impressive. But off the field, what kind of guys he seems, you know, when you watch interviews and you listen to him talk, he seems very serious and focused, but I'm, I'm willing to bet. And I've also seen a couple of little random YouTube videos here and there where he's, you know, has that playful side and that joking side. So I'm sure he has that, but around campus, around school, or just in your experience with them, what kind of guys he, 
outside of football? He's all football. And last year in interviews, it was, you know, he kind of got some slack for it. He was mainly doing classes online. I mean, he was a football player through and through, and that's what he came to Ohio state for. But I definitely think he's a coach's, you know, anytime you interview him, it's, you know, everything that coach would want you to say, he's very matter of fact, but he does have some funny moments. You've seen him dance and he, Mm -hmm. he plays this game that all the players would play is shadow boxing. We, we got him to play that. So he can be a fun guy too, but he definitely is a professional, I think. And he's had that maturity at a younger age. He, he knows how to deal with the adversity. And so when Mm -hmm. everyone was making those Trevor Lawrence comparisons and you know, J- Justin's been through adversity. He's no, he knows what it's like to not get the start. He knows what it's like to have to, you know, mix around and throw to guys who, who may, may not have been getting much playing time. So he, he's definitely dealt with the adversity. And so I think that when you talk to him off the field, you know, he's, he's very business-like, but you can, you can get him to crack. He can be a funny guy, but I think that the way that he holds himself and he definitely knows how to answer questions and address the media. And, you know, whenever people are asking about injuries, he knows he's not going to say too much. So mm. I definitely picked up that a lot, uh, a lot of the time. And he's definitely very well tailored, especially when we had the COVID outbreak and, you know, there were some coaches out and he basically led the offensive zoom calls and he, he wow. became, he knows yeah. how to take on a leadership role in that regard. I mean, this off season, <laughs> he dialed into the playbook and, you know, I was asked a lot, what did he do to change the game? He was looking into so much more depth as to why these, these plays are being called, not just, okay, what's the play? I got to memorize it. No, he wanted to know why. So he, he took on a coaching mind. And I think that the depth of Justin Fields is definitely beneficial. And it, and it just like the way, you know, I I've heard a lot of the Washington media say that Chase Young's been such a leader and he did that as a rookie. You'll definitely see that with Justin Fields as well. And I know those two guys would love to see each other again as teammates. That was a key statement that you just made that I think will resonate with people. If you're comparing Justin Fields and his leadership ability at quarterback to Chase Young and his leadership ability at a position where leadership is not even as much of a necessity, mm-hmm. then that's that's huge uh, kudos. People will love to hear that. Uh, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> um, I think this is my last question. I don't think I have any more after this, but I want to talk about Chris Olave. He has not declared. He's just, he decided to stay. Yeah. yeah. So, so were you, were you surprised? Or are you shocked? Are you excited? What's the fan base? Um, How's the fan well, base? the fan base, obviously, Ohio State fan base is thrilled to have him back, but just through my own conversations right. with Chris, you know, I, I was 50, 50 on whether or not, because mm-hmm. just the way he wanted to redeem himself in that Clemson game, because last year, going back to the Fiesta Bowl, he ran the wrong route and, and right. he, he felt like it was all on him that cost the game. And that was, I, I always say it, that was the most significant image I saw going back to the leadership. Um, there was two things, three players that stood out to me in that Fiesta Bowl locker room was Chase Young, Justin Fields and Chris Olave. And it was J- Chris Olave. This is an audio, but I'll explain what his, what he was doing. His face was completely down. Like I've never seen, you know, as a girl, it's hard for me to see guys like upset. <laughs> this was something I've never seen before. Like it was just like, it was just motionless. His head was down. And then when you walk out of the room, you know, he was just empty, but Justin Fields was shaking the hand of every single media member. Those were the two things that stopped it. The fact that Justin Fields was taking on a leadership role in that regard, but it ate Chris Olave up. He wanted to come back and play. And we saw that he, he redeemed himself. And I asked him after that game, cause he had, he had the positive test and he wasn't able to play in the big 10 championship. So if he came in after a month of not playing and then played like that, you know, so it was, it was remarkable. And I asked him like, you got to feel good. You know, you got your redemption. So I said, are you on cloud nine? He goes, 
not at all. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I am hurting. He just said the game was so physical, (laughs) but that was basically, it was just, he wanted that so bad for an entire year. He dedicated his entire season to getting back to that Fiesta Bowl game. He redeemed himself. And the first thing he thought about was I got to get better for the national championship. Mm -hmm. And so when that didn't happen and they didn't get the win, I'm not surprised that he wanted to come back because he just feels like he's, he's leaving too much out there. So he's got one more year to, to do it. And so I, I bet, I bet he has a great season. He can raise his stock even more. Right. Right. In this deep class, I think next year he may have even more potential to be first round or higher first round. He's a very good player. So uh, just, uh, I guess to, to close it out for the most part, last couple questions, one on a couple players by name, Wyatt Davis, um, who's someone who you talked about his leadership and professionalism and Trey Sermon, a couple positions that Washington also should keep an eye on offensive line running back. Can you talk to me a bit about those guys and your experiences with them? Yeah. Wyatt Davis is another one that came in like a total pro, but football is his family business basically, you know, his dad was a movie star and and played a football player, but his grandpa played and his brother played in college. So, I mean, he's definitely been around it for a long time. So he came in like a total pro and, you know, he's a, he's a fun guy to talk to as well, but he, he's really good at picking up the guys up and, you know, he opted out this season when the pandemic hit and Justin Fields caught him said, I got to have you back. I got to have you protecting (laughs) me. And so he came back and, you know, it was, it was definitely a vibe that like every team teammate wants him on his team, you know, everyone uh, believes in him. And, and so he, people feel good about him, them protect him, protecting them. So I think he's a good one to have, especially because he, he already has that NFL mindset, you know, as a, with the jump being there, I feel like he can bypass that pretty easily. Okay. And then Trey Sermon came in and it took a while. And that, he, I think his maturity level was great as well too, to, to go to Oklahoma. And so, you know, we had to play against him and there was no, you know, there was no love lost. And when he came back and things picked up right where they left off and he, he mixed into the running back room, especially after Trey or master Teague had the Achilles injury just in the spring and Trey Sermon had a knee injury uh, the year prior. So they were kind of getting back on track. So mm-hmm. it was a slow start to, to him getting some some big plays, but we saw that in the Big Ten Championship, and as my dog makes it, I see him creeping in there, <laughs> and now he knows I'm calling him. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, Trey Sermon came in, and he he wasn't going in and asking to to get the ball more or anything like that. He kind of knew, like, okay, I'm new to the team, I'm going to work my way up. So when he got his chance. He showed up. I mean, he broke a record in that Big Ten Championship, 331 rushing yards. Mm. I mean, it was remarkable, especially when they needed him most. So he came in and to see him get hurt, you know, right, right out of that national championship. But his mom has come out and said that, you know, he's he'll be fine. He's you know, back to training. So I think he's someone that can make a huge impact as well. So I think that I think like maybe a second round pick, he would definitely be a good one to get. Okay. And I, I'm going to add one last question to the last ones that I said. Uh, this one, last one is on Justin Fields is just going back to last year when you did have more access and you were able to be around him more when he was starting, maybe this year is a bit harder, but how would you say he handles losing, which obviously he doesn't do a lot, but when he does, mm-hmm. how would you say that he handles it and, and is dealing with players, coaches, with the media and press conferences? Can you talk to me about that. So even in a, in a win or a loss, Justin is always very matter of fact, like I, until this year, there wasn't too much emotion, but then again, I covered, you know, him winning so many games and and having a remarkable season this year with, you know, the virtual situation, you know, we didn't get to see that much, but I did see more emotion. Like, I think 
that big 10 championship was pivotal because it was like emotional, like exhaustion. I think they hit that fatigue. And so getting past that game was so significant because they almost weren't even going to get to play that game. They yeah. had to change the role just so that they could be admitted. So I think it was just, they have to kept proving himself, proving himself. And, you know, when they were talking about his draft stock, I know it got to him. It, it definitely mm-hmm. like put an impact on him. And I have to think maybe that, that factored into his playing, you know, he, he wanted to make a Heisman push maybe for that, you know, to, to make some big plays and that might've cost him and got him some interceptions. So I think that he cleaned that up and, and it was mainly just, he, he wanted to fight for his team. I mean, he was, you know, physically he was, he was in so much pain, but you know, his toughness should never, ever be minimized. I mean, I think he's definitely proven that, especially this, uh, the postseason and, and how he played, but you know, I, I think that he's the type of guy who last year I saw, it was very matter of fact, you know, down to business, you know, you know, win loss, you know, it's, you know, football, it's a business trip or we're going to get our work done this year. I got, I did see a little bit more on, he put so much on himself. And I think that, you know, it, it may be when he, when he didn't play too on the big 10 championship, he had a bad thumb. He did not blame his thumb. He did not blame the fact that his leading receiver, Chris Olave was out. He took full responsibility. So I think that he puts everything on himself and, and that is a pro and a con in a way, because, you know, it pushes him to, to work harder and, you know, it pushes the team to want to play for him, but you know, it, maybe it got to him at times, but it was to, to the 2020 and the pandemic was, was really tough on the team. But I think that he has the, the, the maturity to get past those t- kind of things, but he definitely puts it all on himself. He doesn't push the blame on anyone. He'll, he'll take it all. Okay. That's good to hear. My last one is just, aren't any players mm-hmm. that we haven't mentioned that stick out in your mind, whether it be this year that have declared or next year that, you know, coming out of seniors or, or possibly declaring any guys we should keep our eyes and, and ears open for well Chris Olave is definitely one that you know right. will be next year but you know our tight end play got got some action in mm-hmm. the postseason as well so I think Luke Farrell could be a tight end you might want to look for Jeremy Rocker opted to stay mm-hmm. and he had a great postseason so those are two guys to look out for Luke obviously is going into this year's draft Sean Wade is one whose draft stock might have fallen right, I believe right. because of you know coming back and you know he had to play after uh, Damon Arnett. And um, so he, he didn't get to play the spot that he wanted to. And when he went to the outside this year, it didn't replicate too well. So I think that maybe at nickel or slot, he would be better. Um, so I think that maybe since his drop stock is song, he could be a steal. Cause I think that he, he can definitely get there. He get to, he can definitely play. With but once he gets into the system i think that he can make some big plays happen so maybe a steal okay and i'm sorry Mm -hmm. my wi-fi just tends to just do whatever it wants so you (laughs) a bit but we're we're back now um so we'll see you know what happens if if one player that that is in the nfl from ohio state curtis samuel i very much see him possibly becoming Mm -hmm. part of the team and then they trade for justin fields and then at that point you basically are ohio state in the nfl so i'm sure we'd be able to keep your attention but uh thank you stephanie it's been great talking to you and and having seen your work but now having the chance to speak with you you can see why you've been able to progress and 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 you know (laughs) why you're on the, the path that you're on so we appreciate your time and professionalism it's been a fun conversation and you're easy to talk to as well so uh can you let everyone who listens uh know where they can find you on twitter or otherwise yeah all my social media is at steph odie 
S-T-P-H-O-T-E-Y. You pronounced it right, Odie. <laughs> <laughs> Odie, yep, exactly. Okay, I, people people get my name wrong all the time, so I yeah. understand. So thank you. We'll let you go now. I'm sure you have plenty to do, but thank you for your time, and um, we hope to speak to you again sometime in the future. Yeah, I appreciate it. Draft up for Justin Fields. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make some calls. <laughs> and we, we got to get you back on if we do get them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you guys need, I feel like he'd be so great in that system. So yeah, me too. it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. You, you have a great day. And thanks again. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.